Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artists, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the Bright Side with Technicia. Today is March the 7th, 2017. Today is March the 7th, 2017. What are we doing today? What's going on? What's happening? Almost. The week has begun. We are almost through with this week. What are we doing, people? What are we doing? What are we doing? But I'm glad to have you because I just feel so loved today. If you feel loved, just squeeze yourself. Matter of fact, go in that mirror right now. You love yourself. Do it now. Say, self, I love you. And that's what it's all about, loving yourself today. I got Stevie Wonder on. Isn't she lovely? And, and speaking of love, I have a guest on who will be teaching us all that. To focus on ourselves, ladies and gents. We're not going to leave you out. We want you to know that you are loved. We want you to know how to survive all that trauma that you've been going through in your life that you can't get over. Because somebody out there needs answers, and I want answers. Yes, I want answers today. This woman that I have on, she's she's remarkable. Her name is Dr. Janine Staples. She has a wonderful book out called The Supreme Love. And we'll be talking more about that as well, about what it is and where you can also get that book. She teaches you the revelations of how to just truly find yourself, how to find how to find peace. We'll be talking about emotional justice. If you don't know what that is, we'll be we'll be asking questions where emotional literacy is, the how to identify your love identity. All those questions that you've been wondering about, and if you have any more questions, if you're having trouble struggling in your relationship, no matter what relationship it is, job relationship, relationship with your spouse, children, anything, because all those tie in to self. All those deal with you. All those focus on your emotions and your spirituality, your religion. All that is tied into you, so we're going to get down to the alpha today. Do call in at three. <clears throat> excuse me. Do call in three four seven four two six three seven five one. Will you get your questions answered? Yes, because today is the day, Doctor Janine. I'm so happy to have you on. So, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Technicia. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your show. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, and you are a remarkable woman. You are. You have so many hats, and I love it because you're simple. I read, I, I read a little bit of your bio. Said I'd rather deal with an uh, animal than dealing with a human being. I'd rather deal with children, <laughs> you know, than dealing with adults. I said, she's my kind of lady. Like, 
Because children are simple. <laughs> children make you happy. Children, they know what they want. They'll tell you, hey, I want this. Adults, I don't know why we have to play the mind games. Oh, well, let me see. I think I want this lobster, but no. Again, mm, I might want that pizza. But children, they're, they're very simple. <laughs> they don't beat around. Hey, I want that candy. I want candy, and that's it. I don't want nothing else. I don't even want dinner. Give me, can I have ice cream? That's it. And I figured a little Stevie Wonder because I said this girl, she loves Stevie Wonder. Yes, she does. That's one of her favorite artists. So I said, let me play a little Stevie Wonder for us. It's beautiful. Thank to, you. You're so welcome. You're welcome. We're here to get down to the bottom of it because your book, um, Supreme Love, it don't just focus on relationships at hand, but it focuses on other things that we want to expose the root of, the effects of um, racism, sexism, and ambulism, as you yes. um, explained with your work. Um, let's talk yes. about a little bit about your book. What is the title even come from, Supreme Love? So supreme love is a term that I came up with when I realized that self-love was insufficient. And I felt like self-love has a limited reach and I wanted to go farther. I wanted to go deeper. And when I realized that I wanted to go to higher heights and deeper depths, I realized I needed to change the phrasing a little bit. And so that's where supreme love came from. Throughout your book, you talk about emotional justice. What exactly is emotional justice? Okay, that's a very good question. I'm so glad you asked that question. I think sometimes people skip over it because they just want to hear about the stories um, that the women tell in the book. Emotional justice is a really key idea in the Supreme Love Project because what I'm focusing on is I'm saying that the interior life of a person is just as significant and probably more meaningful in a lot of ways than the exterior life of a person. So what I say is emotional justice is a complement to social justice. Social justice is the way that we think about our social circumstances and whether or not we have rights and privileges and whether or not we have recognition, visibility, safety, security. Um, Emotional justice is about regarding the same types of um, um, human rights for the interior life. So when I say I am down for emotional justice, that means that I regard seriously the interior life of every person because I recognize that in order for us to do social justice, we have to do emotional justice. I have to take very seriously the way that a person is crafting their soul and their soma, the way that people are generating memories, generating meanings, um, fighting trauma, mm-hmm. um, you know, developing space to recognize their identity from an inside-out perspective. So emotional justice is taking very, very seriously the interior life of every person. Well, you know what? That makes sense. I'd rather know you because once you, um, as you had made a quote about it, once you, once a person starts really truly showing you who they are, you best believe it, that's exactly who they are. I was just set aside and mm-hmm. ah, that's not me. I was just playing. No, you was really serious. You were really serious. Mm-hmm. If you tell me you plan on killing me, I'm going to believe that you're going to kill me. I'm not going to wait around mm-hmm. till to, to I fall asleep. And and I'm I'm tied up to the bed or something, and, and you hacking me off. No, I'm gonna believe it, and I'm gonna leave you alone. So, those are good keys to really think about because the people don't show their true identity. And and to me, I would go off your emotions and say instead of social, because it makes me think about social media. People are so um, fake with social media. They show a, they mm. show a different side than they'll show in reality. Social media covers up all our bruises and our blemishes and, and marks like makeup. 
You know, you can't see oh, yeah. who they are up underneath. Yeah. Um, and you know, what, what um, actually got you. In, I was, I was not cutting you off, um, um, Dr. <laughs> Janine, but I want to ask, what actually got you into this study, and where, where did you learn what you know? Um, I came to this work. You know, Technisha, that's a really good question. I came to the work basically out of necessity. I needed to heal the um, terrors in my soul so that I could launch a revolution in my life. I needed um, a lot of support and a lot of help to manage some of the anxiety um, that I was struggling with, um, some of the duplicity that I was struggling with. I, what I say in my project, the Supreme Love Project, is I tell people in a very transparent way, I used to be an emotional liar. Um, I would hide the way that I was really feeling and what I was really thinking for fear of judgment, for fear of rejection, for fear of condemnation. And so um, there was a lot of havoc in my own life because I did not practice emotional justice towards myself. I did not develop emotional literacy um, until I was grown up. Um, And I learned the effects of not doing that work And I learned the effects of letting traumas and terrors run rampant in your soul without any um, reclamation, without any uh, real deep digging. And actually, I really believe truly and sincerely, my point of view is whatever observable trauma we see in the world can be stemmed right back to a human soul. Whatever external sickness we see, can be stemmed right back to the internal sickness of a human soul. And I like what you just said about um, social networking. One of the things I also say in um, the Supreme Love Project is if you want to know what people really think and how they really feel, just read the comments section. If you ever read um, a blog post or an article or something online or maybe um, the comments that someone has written about um, in a Twitter feed, et cetera, when people get to hide behind social media masks, they really let out the truth of their thoughts and their feelings, some of the things that they want really to mm-hmm. mask from people. Right. Uh, that's why I always end up, I always post something positive, and I keep people thinking, oh, I love what you post. I, I, I don't like to be negative if I can help, even on my job. It's just too darn happy. How can you be so happy? <laughs> You can, you can be happy. It, it could be, it could be overjoyous. I, I do. I love to stay happy, and the reason why I so because I'm finding myself more. I'm trying to get myself back with God, get get one on one with Him. So, mm-hmm. and I say my affirmations. I'm on an affirmation call every morning, Doctor Janine. It's called Affirmation Nation mm. on Facebook. The mentor, he's a young mentor and entrepreneur named Hazi Ali. And he teaches us personal development and growth. And every morning that sticks in your head, not only does it stick in your head, but just having a vision board sitting on Instagram. Even if you don't have your own vision board, you can go on Instagram. We are millionaire-minded. And look at those pictures. Picture yourself having that big home or that nice car. Those really motivate me. So I keep smiling no matter what goes on. And I know, and I'll make a joke out of something. If you sad, I'll say a joke. Yesterday my coworker, she was very uh, I could tell she was depressed. She was like, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm tired of this job. I'm mm-hmm. ready to go. So she would get her some chili. Mm-hmm. And I'll make it a joke about it because, you know, chili, sometimes it don't uh, fill it well with most people. So I made a joke. I said, well, why are you, why are you eating that chili? Make sure you close the door behind you when you go to your department because we don't want to smell anything. She started laughing. 
because I can't stand to see a person. Because yeah. I was listening to one of my friends on Snapchat this morning. If it's something that you don't like, if you're uncomfortable with your job, if you're uncomfortable with any situation, don't settle. Do something about it. Do more than what you are doing. Move on and make a change. You don't have to settle. That's it. If you're not happy in your relationship, move on. If you're not happy with your job, move on. I'm not saying it will be easy, but don't sit down and complain about it and you're not trying to do nothing about it. There's a big difference. If you're not going to do nothing about it, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. Don't complain. Mm. And, and that's basically how that's basically how I see it. And and when I think of supreme love, I think of it that way. Like don't settle just don't sit there and just settle for anything. Get up off your behind and do something about it. More. Yeah. Do more yeah. about it. We have too many mm-hmm. people who want to complain and don't want to make a change. But um mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to take over the show because it's all about Dr. Janine. So, um, Dr. Janine, I guess my next question is, since we're on emotional um state factors. What is emotional mm-hmm. literacy exactly? Mm-hmm. Emotional literacy is having a repertoire of skills um, and practices that you can use to manage your interior life, to heal your interior life, and also to understand your interior life. What I've learned, Technicia, is that so many people don't really have a clue of what's going on in their subconscious, really no clue. They don't understand belief systems, survival programs, defense mechanisms, um, narrative structures, somatic memory. We're not taught that as children. We're really taught a lot um, around management of our exterior life. You're taught to sit down, maybe taught some table manners, taught to say please and thank you, taught to put your clothes on, wash your face, brush your teeth. We're taught how to behave as citizens. You know, you're a citizen of a household, you're a citizen of a school, you're a citizen of a community, and that's, there's a lot of training that gets done to manage your exterior life, and emotional literacy is about managing your interior life. I was just going to say that, but I was just thinking of that, too, because you all this, like, by the end of the day, most women, men, you're a parent, you, you're a father, you you're a son or a daughter, but all that right. all that is just title to me. But on the inside, what are you? I mean, you came to find That's a good question. You got so many titles. Yeah, and and what I talk to women about, mainly women. I, I mean, I, of course, I like to talk to men, and there are men in the Supreme Love Project. I focus on women a lot, um, simply because I feel like we are socialized to be um, subordinate. To men in a lot of ways, even with all of the women's empowerment movements happening, there's still so much sexism and so much misogyny, it can make your head spin. So I think about women a lot. And I say to women often, you know, who are you to yourself? I know that most women, if I say, you know, who are you? They'll say, oh, I'm a wife, or I'm a mom, or, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm an engineer, I'm a firewoman, I'm a bus driver. Okay, but who are you to yourself? Who are you from the inside out? How do you name yourself? How do you qualify and identify who you are as a human being, separate from other people? Because guess what? Your husband might die or he might leave you. Guess what? Your children are going to grow up and move away because that's what they do. That's what they're supposed to do. You might lose your job. Guess what? Your parents are going to pass on. Outside of all the people that you're connected to as a woman, who are you? 
And when I break it down right. like that, a lot of women just feel stumped. They just say, I don't know. Because we are socialized wow. often and trained to see ourselves only in relation to other people. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. We are I not really exactly. well trained yeah, to see ourselves as whole individuals all by ourselves, just you. Who are you? Just you. It's a little bit right. scary if you don't know the answer. It is. That, that, that's why we have these empowering conversations like this on this show so we can identify ourselves, break it on down. we got yeah. too many titles, people, but by the end of the day, and you, I agree with you. Once all that's gone, husband, whoever, wife, or brother, sister, once all those people deplete from your life, then mm-hmm. who are you? Can anybody even see who you? Who are you? When you walk into a room, yeah. somebody's supposed to be able to know you. Hey, I know you. Yeah. I know you personally. Yeah. I know how you are. Mm-hmm. But if I don't know about know you, that's, that's a little question, questionable. But mm-hmm. I don't know if it came from decades of history or for our people people, um, ancestry, like just being brought into slavery, we kind of taken away from our own title and we forgot who we are. And, and I see it today, not even trying to get off the subject, but I see it today even with our youth, with the millennials and stuff, even some of the music, like that's not who we were. We didn't come from slavery, but you act like you in slavery sometimes. Your mindset mm. act like it's in slavery. It's like, oh, my God. Half people probably rolling right now in their graves if they if they really see the mess and the trauma that we actually going through, and and it gets me to question like who are we as people as a whole? I mean mm-hmm. we don't have the foundation mm-hmm. anymore. We don't have the values or the morals. We just go with the flow. Yeah. We go with whatever, and we just say yes because it sounds like it's correct, or we say yes because it sounds like if we don't if we say no, then it might be a fight. But then what are we standing up for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just all the know, questions. It just it really has me. Yeah, and Technicia, you're hitting the 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 nail on the head. Um, a lot of times, the problem is we don't ask ourselves those questions. And my okay. objective in the Supreme Love Project is to ask women questions. Um, what's one of my many objectives? And I want women to ask themselves questions. You know, who am I? Independent of other people, who am I? What is my purpose? What am I here to do? And one of the things I say to women is you cannot define in here. Try this. Try not defining yourself in relationship to another person. Often what another woman will say, well, I'm a wife. I'm a mother. No, you know, don't. Don't do that. Try your best to define yourself in and of yourself because guess what? Truthfully, you are a spirit, and you steward a soul, and you live in a body. You are a spirit. You have a purpose that's independent. I mean, it might be related to your your husband, or if you're a man, it might be related to your wife. It might be related to your children, your grandchildren. Sure, we're all interconnected. I get that. However, I'm talking about independent of any other individual. Why are you here? And a person who cannot answer that question often is also harboring some frustration, some dissatisfaction, maybe a little bit of sadness, and sometimes, technically, even anger. Um, As human beings, we are not meant to be aimless. 
um, and rootless and without clear objective and purpose. That's not what we're here for. And so, yeah, part of the work is being emotionally literate, knowing how to go into your own soul, into your own soma, and the soma is the body, and do the excavations that you need to do to figure out what your values are, what your principles are, what your promises are. I wanted to help women to find out um, what your aversions to. I want women to help help women to understand what healthy boundaries are. Um, but that all comes from knowing your identity. That all comes from knowing your identity. It does, and it makes me even question myself. Like right now, I'm going to probably add that to one of my tasks, like breaking it down to who I am after I pull apart and dissect everything, like, okay, this is who I am. That takes that takes work, though, um, Janine. It does. Because, yes. right, it, it is. That's work, and people don't think it's work. And I can imagine somebody asking them right now, well, I'm this. No, you're you're not a firefighter. Mm-hmm. You're not a daughter. That's just a title. So that really takes mm-hmm. work. People, if you got time mm-hmm. today, I say by the end of the night before you go to bed, write out those things as I um, – as Hazik always say, write out your goals, what you're going to do the next day. Why don't you try to implement that into your list as well? Write out who you really are. Take that time out probably by the end of the week and see what you actually get. That's some work, and I think I'm going to join in on, on that task as well. Now, since we're, since yep. Janine, that we're focusing on emotional here again, um, how does your work help to achieve emotional justice? Mm. Well, my work helps to achieve emotional justice because I trace the relational and social terrors that we experience right back to white supremacy. It goes right back to white supremacy. The ways that the concept of whiteness um, has been constructed and the ways that um, hypermasculinity and patriarchy have been discussed, um, um, constructed have mm-hmm. actually spurred racism sexism, ableism, ageism. You know, people are discriminated against because of their age. People are discriminated against because of the color of their skin. People are discriminated against because of the texture of their hair, because of their physical features, because of their um, body weight. And all of those things, um, by research inquiry, shoots right back to white supremacy, white supremacist patriarchy. And so my work achieves emotional justice um, simply because I am able to articulate the root cause of a lot of the injustices that we're, we're, we're dealing with and we're managing um, from a different perspective. So um, one of the things that justice movements do currently, for example, Technicia, is they focus a lot, again, on these external manifestations. There are people who get um, shot by police, for example. There are women who get beaten by men. There are children who are neglected and abused. There are so many social injustices, and that's why we need social justice movements to tackle the social injustices. What I am saying in terms of emotional justice is those events, like brothers and and sisters getting shot by police, sisters getting beat by men, um, children being neglected by their parents, those social events cannot happen apart from a human being creating them. You feel me? I do. I feel you. Yes. They would not exist. Those events would not exist apart from a human being creating those experiences, bringing them into our reality. 
So actually, emotional justice traces everything back to the soul and the soma of the individual. And I do work helping people to understand what their belief systems are, what their survival programs are, their defense mechanisms, their narrative structures, your somatic memory, the things that are in your interior life that cause you to do the things that you do, make the choices you make, foster the behaviors that you cultivate, say the words that you say. Because once we change the human soul and evolve the human soul, a lot of the social issues that we're dealing with would disappear. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I could, I could really agree that. But that's a big change. Oh, yes, that's ma'am. A lot it's of a big, big change. Yeah. And, and the thing is, yeah, the, that's, it's, what it's it is, is it's not, it's not something necessarily that one can do on large scale because it really is the decision of the individual. Right. Every person who comes to the Supreme Love Project comes as an individual, and they come of their own volition. They usually come because they're at the end of the rope. They're like I was, Technisha. And when, I, when you asked me, the, the very first question you asked me was, you know, what brought me to this work? Why did I do this work? Well, I came be- as a result of an emotional breakdown. I came because I had suffered so many losses and so many relational and social terrors, and all of the surface work that I was doing was not helping me. It was not changing anything, not at my root. So I came to, social, um, to emotional literacy and I came to emotional justice as one person wanting to be saved, wanting to be healed, wanting to be whole. And so when you talk about this being a lot of work, it is. That's one of the reasons it's, it's very difficult to do it on a grand scale. Nobody can control another person, you know, and we can't make it law that someone has to do critical reflection and they have to do deep excavation. You can't make that a law. This is free will. It is all about an individual person, be they a woman or a man, or if they transgress gender altogether, to say to themselves, I want to know what true peace looks like. I want to understand what it means to practice unconditional love. I want to taste freedom. I want to tap into my wisdom, the deepest wisdom that's been endowed to me by my creator. I want to stop suffering. I want to stop these anxiety attacks. I want to get rid of jealousy and envy and strife. I don't want to gossip anymore. I don't want to shame other people or shame myself. I want that to be over. As soon as an individual starts wanting those things, desiring those things, then we can get busy. Then we can get to work. With all that, does, doesn't the subconscious part of the mind have something to do with this as well? Oh, that's all I'm talking about. That's it. It is. That's it. You know, all of what I'm talking about right now is is about that thing, that very thing, your subconscious space. It's those thoughts and feelings that are really occupying your undercurrent, you know, that are really um, in the space that you don't tap into every day. What I say to a lot of women is that your undercurrent, if your subconscious soul is not healed or being healed, It is actually running your life, and more specifically, it's ruining your life. That's real talk. That is. That is real talk. I have my former, uh, my mentor, really, who introduced me to a nutritional system that I love, and she was mentioning that she will be doing every Sunday, Facebook Live, a 
a um just a way to click it to connect into your subconscious mind. Like right now you can mm-hmm. put your you can interlock your you can interlock your index and your thumb on on both hands and just put them together like a lock, like a lock and key and you can say your name and then notice how your mind will just automatically lock if you say your name because it knows it's true. But somewhere yeah. in there if you say if you say I am um, if you say someone else's name, my name is Kevin. It's going to slowly try to lock. So she said that's ways, you know, trying to break you in. Of course, her focus, she's focused on subconscious, but it's also to help you with your health and fitness. But I, I get it, you know, I, I really do. Mm-hmm. I really get it because that subconscious mind is very powerful. 5%, 5% that we use in our conscious, but that the rest of it is all the subconscious, that's where the law of affirmations come in, the law of universe, law of attraction, all that plays a big part in this. But what we're going to do, we're not going to, we're not cutting a break. Well, we are cutting a break with Janine, but we're going to be right back because we want to get a little bit more into her book, which I am so excited to just get into and dive in. Really, I am, because there's some great little subtitles in her book that I really want you listeners to listen out for. So we're going to take this break. And we're going to come right back, darling. So you know what to do. Don't touch that dial. And if you do, hey, that's on you. (laughs) Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Talk Radio, baby. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop star's concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t-shirts. That's going to be 180 bucks. Or we can just take a photo. C, show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crowd surfing. I can't. It's too heavy. Oh, my God. Or D, just roll with it. When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everyone. We are tuning in with Dr. Janine Staples, who has a wonderful book out, The Revelation, Revelations of Asher Towards Supreme Love and Self. This is a darkened, feminist, new look, love book, every, everything, and not just based on just love itself, but based on the whole person and whole, finding yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we, yeah. we go through so much trauma. One of, one of the titles that really caught my eye in your book, I said, I said look at Dr. Janine. This one, because we know we on the adult show. So it said, that's how I fucked him right back. I was like, what? What is that? Yeah. That's <laughs> a good I chapter. Said, Go ahead, read that Janine. chapter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. better read it. Yeah. 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 So the book yeah, it's, it's, is a, a representation of many stories. And um, there are stories of all kinds of relational and social terrors in the book. Some of them are little T terrors. Right. Some of them are big T terrors. 
And some of the big T terrors are the terrors that explode onto the body and that violate the body. And that chapter is all about rape. Unfortunately, it is about a woman being raped and how she figured out a way to offend and vex and torture um, the person who was torturing her. And it's a, it's a powerful chapter. It's one of my favorites. It's um, it was, it was difficult to write, um, but it was worth it. Absolutely. I, I really am glad that it's, it's showing that other side to it. That's, that's a good way to put it. You know, a lot of times we, sh- mm-hmm. we shown away from things like that when it comes to topics on, oh, rape or something like that. But this is something that we need to enlighten to bring about to our young ladies. We have females that we are bringing up into the world. We want them to know, don't be afraid to have a voice. Don't be afraid to let somebody know something happened to you. You speak up for your rights because a lot of times we we probably have a high percentile of women who get raped daily, not even in the United Mm -hmm. States but amongst other countries. Just too afraid to let somebody know. You know how much an emotional harm that you're doing to yourself because you won't even let nobody know. Like um, I was watching the movie, uh, I can't think of her name, but the movie is called Addicted. And in the movie, she's addicted to having sex with the, um, she don't start in so so many movies. She's addicted to having sex. She cheated on her husband with two other guys, but it wasn't just, just a natural state of cheating. She was honing for it. She missed her children. Um, activities just because she wanted sex and all boiled down to the fact she was raped at a very young age and she, she shoved it mm. away, she pushed it back in her she didn't want to remember and all that was coming out as she got older. So I'm glad that you bring that about. Now in this book we, we focus a lot on the revelations of Asher. Uh why is that? Mm-hmm. I'm focusing on the revelations of Asher because what I want to do is I wanted to show a way um, to going inside and going deeper Um, because, you know, what I've been talking about, Technisha, for this entire time that we've been conversing here on this show is the value of the interior life. So when I call this book The Revelations of Asher, what I'm doing is I'm showing that this fragmented self, Asher, who is the main protagonist in the book, is doing a lot of introspective work. She's asking herself a lot of questions, like, why do I do the things I do? How did I get to this place? Where do I want to go? Who am I? Who are my real friends? What is my real purpose? And because she's the one asking the most questions and doing the most introspective work, doing the most self-reflective work, I wanted to name the book after her. Okay. I got you. It's well. Well done job, and I really appreciate you just for bringing that to us. Now, we talk about um, love our identities throughout the book. There are five of them. Can you tell us the five and what they are a little bit in detail? Oh, absolutely. I would be happy to. So um, the five lover identities, I gave them names that most women will recognize immediately simply because I want to create a space of entry into the conversation. I want you all to get with me quick. So the five lover identities are main chick, side chick, okay. Bonnie, bitch, and victim. Mm. And oh, wow. my argument is that um, if you've been relationally or socially terrorized, there's a good chance that you are performing one or two of these lover identities. 
what I'm saying is if you have not interrupted um, some of the ways that um, you understand your interior life, it's almost inevitable that you as an individual person will be performing one of these five lover identities. They're very, very strong, and they're very, very um, um, prominent in, this, in, in our communities. Mm-hmm. And the main one is usually always side chick. Yeah, you know what? Actually, the, what I would say, and I just said this, I just did a, a show with Extraordinary Negroes earlier this week, and honestly, what the data show is, for for black women especially, and also um, Latina women, the most dominant lover identity typically is Bonnie. So I'll explain Bonnie to you a little bit because it's not as obvious as yeah. the others. Bonnie is a name that I gave this lover identity after the motif Bonnie and Clyde. Now, a lot of people know the Bonnie and Clyde motif. That's about the couple yeah. that were, you know, breaching the law and on the run and you know, causing all kinds of havoc. Well, Bonnie is really a ride-or-die chick. That's what a Bonnie is. So a woman who's doing that lover identity will do whatever it takes to hold down her man. She is often financially abused, um, emotionally neglected, psychologically um, tricked, um, socially obscured, and that kind of situation um, is very, very prevalent in uh, communities of color with women who are trained to take care of boys and men um, before they take care of themselves. Wow. Okay. That does matter. Okay. I, I see the connection here. Okay. Because I was, when yep. you said bunny, I was like, bunny? Like, is it, is mm-hmm. it a, a bunny, like a rabbit? Yeah, but that makes perfect sense. Because that's what yeah. Bonnie was. She stayed right near Bonnie the Bonnie was. They rocked together. They died together. They did. They did. She yeah, gave up. That's a real, you yeah, know, that was a real true ride and die chick. I'm not dying with you. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, you're on your own. Yeah. But see, this is the thing. No. Now, what you're talking about, Technicia, <laughs> is a literal death. And that's true. That was the way that that, that legend ended, where they died together. She was well, so much of a rider for her man. But I what I yeah, say to women um what I say to women um who occupy the Bonnie lover identity is there's often it's often the case that if you're a Bonnie, um what's what's actually more typical um is that you will have a figurative death for your man. So some Bonnies will, you know, pay their man's rent before they pay their own. Or they will run errands. They will do grocery shopping. They will um, do laundry, rub feet, change seats, like do homework assignments, do work assignments. There's all kinds of ways that Abani actually kills herself, literally, I mean, figuratively, before she kills herself, literally, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. I got you. Yeah, and I guess there mm-hmm. are certain uh, different ways of showing your ride and die. Just not the killing part, mm-hmm. but there are other ways to show that, hey, I can stick to this. I am I am down by law with you, too thick, thick and thin. And that's amazing how that is the number one, because I always, I see it so much on social media, side chick, side chick. I'm like, wow, I, I thought that was the main one, but you got me right there. Now, for you, were you identified, which one were you before 
this book came out before your revelation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before my revelations, I was um, – now, what I say to women is that typically you have a dominant lover identity and a subordinate lover identity, so there's usually a way that you're occupying both simultaneously. And so I was a main chick Bonnie. My dominant lover identity was main chick, and my subordinate was a Bonnie. Okay. Wow. Um, I probably have to go with Bonnie. I mean, my husband got – Disabled 2008, so I don't know if that w- if I would identify with that one, but I'm gonna take that one right now. Well, I I pay the bills, so I have to back him up on everything. So I guess I would be a bunny, definitely definitely not a side chick. Mm-hmm. Nobody side chick. I'm married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ain't got time to be mm-hmm. a side chick. Mm-hmm. I'm too occupied. Mm-hmm. I'll be a I'll be a gotcha. side chick anyway. I'd be too tired. They'd be like, child, you don't never know. I'm tired, bro. I'm tired. Gone. <laughs> Um, now we talk about there's all kinds um, of ways right now we also um, we need to probably cover like terror and love because I was while reading I found that most um, interesting to read Mm -hmm. throughout Mm -hmm. your information when it was said to me about terror and love what exactly is terror and love because it sounds so frightful when I was listening I'm like terror and love is that that abuse is that somebody who's getting beat up and you in love with somebody Oh. Mm, that's a good question. And what I say is that the relational and social terrors that we experience in life are what cause love to be um, corrupted. So um, the relational and social terrors that we experience happen in our intimate partnerships, and those start when you're a child. They can happen between you and your parents, you and your siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually right. they'll happen between you and your lover. Um, the social terrors that we experience happen at school usually when we're little, maybe at the babysitters and then at school, um, goes into the workplace, um, and goes into public spaces. And so when I talk about terror in love, I'm thinking specifically about the ways that um, racism, sexism, ableism uh, pervade our multiple types of relationships um, from the time we are little, little big people until the time we are adults. Okay. So instead of, Janine, instead of you calling it, why not just call it trauma? I don't want to call it trauma simply because I want to give um, the field a new terminology to use. And I wanted the terminology to be fresh because I'm doing some work linking concepts that haven't been linked before. So I didn't want to use an established term that's already got a whole history um, tied to it. So I needed to make myself distinct and stand out a little bit differently. Okay, I got you. I got you. So what exactly are your experiences um, when it comes to terror and love? What experiences do you have with it? Well, I am a recovering codependent, and so, I mean, I can okay. tell on your show that y'all talk about a lot of key concepts, so some of your readers, and I mean, listeners, and you absolutely might know exactly what I'm talking about. As a, as a recovering yeah. codependent, um, I attracted narcissists before I did my deep work, um, before I did my deep healing that only supreme love I was ever been found can actually do for me. And <clears throat> what that means and what that looks like is that I attracted people 
um, who were emotionally abusive or emotionally unavailable um, simply because as a codependent, I spent a lot of time, an inordinate amount of time, um, looking for value, my value and my worth in other people, people external to me. So that's that's a terroristic set of experiences in and of itself. Like, if anybody has any idea what I'm talking about, you know that is a tough way to live. It is a very difficult way to live. Um, and there's a lot of room for abuse for someone who's a codependent. Mm-hmm. So that's that's primarily what my experience was like. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you know we all have to go through experiences, but one thing is to just overcome it. But I'm glad you actually now to the point where you are being able to speak to others about this because those are some issues that we yes. don't talk about, you know. So I'm glad to have you on the show where we could really get down. Thank you. And maybe again we can have, well, we can have a part two and really get into it because there are a lot of people who probably wondering and don't have the answers to it. So. We might end up having a part two. You just watch and see, guess. Um, you know, um, your great. book focuses. Exactly. I, I love your book breaks it down. Your book is real. That's all I can really say. It's, yes. it's real. Like, it's real. Like your title, getting to the bottom line. I love it. Um, as you will have them do unto you, casual sex, occasional commitments, multiple truths. You know, those are things mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we don't think about. We want to do it to others, but we don't want them to do it to us. You got too many multiple mm-hmm. truths. I like that one, the multiple truths. I mm-hmm. almost sound like a multiple lie. But people just, mm-hmm. just tell lies after lies. And, and once you start mm-hmm. telling they all sound true to me. Yep. Unless you have a discerning spirit, it's important to be able to discern. And that's another thing. I'm glad you, you, you made that point. One of the things that happens when we're relationally and socially terrorized, it's easy to get confused. I mean, very confused. So that you really don't trust yourself to make decisions. You don't trust yourself to choose people, to choose friends, to choose lovers, to choose partners, to choose a job. (laughs) Literally, it can cause so much confusion when you don't know a lie from the truth. Um, And that is another hotbed of pain um, that we find ourselves in often. And I want to say one other thing, because I know we're going to wrap up soon, but I just want to make sure that this is um, something that I get across. If anyone is listening and they feel embarrassed or ashamed um, about some of the things that they've tolerated in life or in love, some of the behaviors that you've accepted that are much, 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 much less than what you deserve and not at all what you want, something that you would be ashamed and scared for people to even know, that maybe you were a side chick. Maybe you did give all your money, your whole paycheck to your boyfriend. You know, maybe... Um, maybe you did sleep with your boss. Who knows? There's all kinds of ways that people get caught up because of the confusion, the low self-esteem, the lack of confidence, um, the ways that we are um, focused on um, performance, on a facade, a show. If, If you feel any level of shame or stress, um, you're not alone. And when you said, Technisha, that my book is real, I wanted it to be real. I wanted people to dig into these concepts and know that you can have a lot going for yourself um, and still need help. And there's no shame in that. There is no shame in that. 
So I encourage you, Mm-mm. come over to the Supreme Love Project if you want to get some support. Right, because that's plenty of women. We've all been through it. Every, every woman mm-hmm. out here, if you haven't, and um, I can't say that you're telling a lie or not, but I, maybe you haven't experienced life like most women have, and there's nothing really that you can share light upon, but um, we all have done it. I have. My mother probably have, you know, it's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just coming to cope and coming to confront what you already have done so you don't keep making those mistakes because once you start hitting up at a certain age, you keep making those mistakes. Uh, baby girl, it's time to get, really get some intervention then. It really is. Yes, um, yes. Don't wait. But I guess don't I wait. ask this because since you just mentioned on the love, what does relearning loving have to do with supremacist patriarchy? patriarchy. Mhm. Well, one of the things it has to do with it is that, you know, white supremacist patriarchy actually programs us to hate ourselves. That's the bottom line. White supremacist patriarchy mm-hmm. teaches us, especially if we're black, especially if we're women, if we're brown, if we're women, um, yeah. It teaches you to hate yourself, and that internalized mm-hmm. hatred, that internalized racism and sexism, can carry throughout your whole life, your whole life. That is so, if you're not careful. That is so true. That is Janine. That is that is true because we I see it on social mm-hmm. media. Um, we do it amongst ourselves. Uh, we have pictures of a thing. One picture, uh, fair skin and uh, um, and a brown skin young lady. We know both are black, mm-hmm. but then now we, oh, which one is more beautiful? Why? What you mean, which mm-hmm. one is more beautiful? It's black. Mm-hmm. So the system has taught us to really hate ourselves, and it's very, it's very, it is. It, it's still sad. It is. And and, and also, mm-hmm. to me, I, I would have to say it starts from slavery. It does. It, it goes all oh, the way yeah. back. Even though we didn't talk that, but it goes back to that house, the house Negro the fear Negro, oh, you better than me, you in the house, or oh, you ain't nothing because you in the field. So it all, it, 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 we, that's why I said we're still in that mentality. we still stuck in slavery. Hell, and the half of the ones, mm-hmm. uh, no offense, the half of the ones, we out of slavery, and you still don't act like, you, like you're appreciative. And then my co-worker and I, we making a joke about it because uh, we were talking about how to cook. They act like they don't want to work. They act like they don't want to do nothing. Hell, put y'all back in slavery. Let's see how fast you work then. Because y'all, 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 like y'all not appreciative, and, and and society has taught us to hate amongst ourselves. It's a shame we do it amongst ourselves, and then we holler, "Oh, all black lives matter." Really? It does? Because I can't tell when I look at these violent videos where you find one another on here, or you calling each other names, but you get mad when a white person go kill somebody. You want to up, do an uproar, and do these protests? What the hell we protesting for? Stop damn protesting. Because it ain't getting no damn work. You ain't making no solutions because you protesting. Sit down. That's why I don't get out there. I'm not getting out there to get shot and look like a fool talking about all black lives matter. When you're sitting up here killing your own self, being stupid, when you learn how to stop doing that, then maybe, just maybe, we can get the white people on the right track. We can't even get them on the right track because they see that you acting like animals. I mean, come on, people. Let's, let's get it together. We the only race that can't sit together. Mexicans can sit together, Asians, Japanese, everybody else can sit together except us. You know why? Because we are too afraid of next man coming up on us. We don't want to see the next person getting to where they need to get to. We don't want to help them out. 
because we we too we got too much of an ego. We have too much of a pride, too much jealousy, and it's it's very sad that we hold our own selves down. But like I said, you want to wear shirts, Black Lives Matter, whatever, whatever. It does matter. All races matter, but it don't matter for some of you guys because you're still doing the same stupid stuff every single day. And the white man sitting back and say, "Go right ahead. You go continue on." Care on less of you, more of us. That's how I'm, and I don't mean to get fierce, but it, it just gives me to the point. I mean, I don't think they see what they do, Janine. They they don't. Hmm. Well, what I want to say about that is, I'm a proponent of Black Lives Matter. Um, the issues that I have uh, are not the same as as what was just expressed. I feel. Right. That the the issues are 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 a little bit different. They're separate in a lot of ways. I think I think the general idea that Black Lives Matter is an irrefutable fact, and it cannot be argued against simply because Black people sometimes kill other Black people. I believe that you have a very valid point, which is that the onus is upon us to do the work of healing in our commun- in ourselves and in our communities so that our children can see a different life, can evaluate and adopt different mindsets and have access and opportunities to a different way of expressing themselves, various ways of living their lives. I don't want to put restrictions on how people express themselves. I feel like there's a time and place for multiple levels of expression, but I don't want to mix the arguments that say, Black Lives Matter may not be um, authentic or impactful because black-on-black black crime exists. Um, I, don't, I don't think that that's fair. I continue to say Black Lives Matter, and I continue to say um, Say Her Name, which is a, a movement that was founded by Kim Crenshaw out of New York um, at Columbia Law mm-hmm. School as a colleague. I say both of those movements are important simply because, going back to white supremacy, um, the concept of whiteness, the concept of hypermasculinity, of uh, imperialism, of hyperpatriotism, um, of hypersexuality, has been so ingrained, so deeply ingrained, Technisha. We really don't even have time to get into the levels of of brainwashing that have happened socially, emotionally, legally physically, um, politically in the United States of America. And so I continue to say Black Lives Matter because I want to propose um, a lot of strength in that irrefutable fact that black lives are just as valuable as anybody else's lives. Um, And I want to make sure that we are pushing forward a movement. And there are some problems I have with Black Lives Matter. For example, I think they focus a lot more on boys and men than they do on girls and women, and I have a problem with that. I feel like it needs to be more um, inclusive of gender. But aside from those arguments, I think that it's so important to continue to push forward those notions simply because our level of hatred and animus and anger and bitterness is so deep. We've got to mm-hmm. we've got to push forward these agendas. We have to. We have to, regardless of some of the things that our children may or may not be doing. And here's the thing: this is the, one of the problems that I push back with against that um, very argument and conversation. Um, there's a lot of white on white crime. White people kill white people yeah. more than 
any yeah, other do. community. But see, we don't talk about that. And white children, we don't. Um, you know, they have a lot of ratchet behavior too. They have a lot of um, undisciplined behavior too. We, I don't think that it's fair to say of our children that because they are rambunctious or because they are creative or because they are even ratchet that they are wrong. Uh, you, you know, I, I don't want to get into that because I think that that double right. standard, honestly, I really believe that double standard, it comes back out of white supremacist patriarchy. Believe it or not, some of those arguments that we put up to criticize our own people, that comes out of white supremacy. That's like a, It's a system of the ways that we've been taught to criticize and condemn each other. And so I just want to come together. I really want to do radical inclusion. I want to do radical um, self-preservation. I want to do radical cooperative um, solidarity. Even when white supremacy tries to present these arguments um, that say that we don't need to do all that. I think we do. I think we do, and I think we must. I really do. We must. We well, see, that's, why we got that's, that's why I have you on, Dr. Janine, because you see how Amen. you may have different views, but we still on, we on that. We are on that same page, but as you said, it's it's everywhere. It's not just just not in our community. The violence is everywhere. You can even look at the news. It's all over the all over the world. The violence. So it's that's not yeah. us. So we don't want to just play the part. Oh, it's just our black children. No, it's your children. It's your children too. It's everybody's children. But we got to come that's together. What we missing is what we missing is that village. We need to bring that village back. I take the whole village to raise a child. We need to bring, we got we need to bring that village back, but I hope that we can. But we're not gonna hold Dr. Janine up. Dr. Janine, before you leave, I would love for you to tell the listeners where they can purchase your book from. Oh yes, ma'am. You can go to Amazon.com and just Google Janine Staples or um, put in the search "The Revelations of Asher" and you will find my book at Amazon.com and it is available globally. Dr. Janine, thank you so much for being here with us today. I really do appreciate it. You have really opened our eyes and enlightened our minds because we, we needed that. And before I leave you listeners, I want to give you this truth of the day from my friend Mary Ellen. The choices you make reveal the true nature of your character. During many times in life, you are forced to make choices. It is important to think these choices through. You might find yourself in a situation where you have to make a difficult decision right in that moment. Stop. Ask yourself, what's the right thing to do? Now, act upon this good choice. It is during these times your true character is being tested. Do not allow one choice to determine the rest of your life. God does allow you, Tyrus. Today, consider all choices you have in front of you. Enjoy the day, and remember the mantra from Affirmation Nation. Either your mind has to expand to match your goals, or your goals with strength to match your mind. So let's grow. Everyone have a blessed day, and I'll see you next time on The Bright Side with Technicia. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com.